Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, kids can be dismissed to go to Children's Church uh, right now. Let's uh, kind of become my habit. Wow, look at them all go. Seriously. That's awesome. Good luck, Sheridan and Danielle. Uh, let's, let's stop and uh, I want to I pray for, for them. God, I thank you for children and so many of them this morning. And I thank you for the gospel that you are about to, to share with them, Father. I'm going to pray for Danielle and Sheridan as they speak the gospel to these children. And there's nothing more beautiful than a child who has been lit up by the gospel, Father. And I thank you for what you will do back there this morning. God, thank you for kids and thank you for the gospel. In Christ's name. Uh, so if you have your Bible, we're in Colossians chapter 4. This is the final message in our series on Colossians. Um, and I want to read those verses for you. They'll be on the screen as well. Um, uh, but if you have your Bible, go ahead and, and open there. We're going to start in verse 5 of Colossians 4, verse 5. Um, and I want to just kind of kind of say kind of reset the the series that you know this has been the idea of that we're centering on Christ, centering on Jesus. That everything about us, everything about the book of Colossians is is centering our minds on the sufficiency and work of Jesus. And then that kind of presses into us, and then presses out of us and into our context. And that's kind of forms the the content of of the message this morning and, and the the verses that we'll we'll read here. But again, the, the background of the book of Colossians is uh, Paul is preaching in a city called Ephesus, which is nearby the Colossae, uh, and a man who was, uh, lived in Colossae went to Ephesus and heard Paul preach and began to get next to Paul, get close to Paul, and Paul invested the gospel into this guy and sent him, his name is Epaphras, sent him back to Colossae to go and start this church. And there, there are a lot of people that became leadership of the church in Colossae, and some we'll, we'll hear about uh, as, as we read these, these verses this morning. But the idea is, Paul sees this idea to, to press the gospel, to press Christ into Epaphras, and then Epaphras goes and takes that gospel to his context. And, and that's sort of the, the theme that, that you'll hear a lot from me this morning, is pressing the gospel into ourselves, and then allowing that gospelized self to press the gospel into the context where God has placed us. And that's, that's really like big picture God's plan for all of mankind is to press the gospel in an individual and have that individual go and press the gospel into their context. Um, and we're going to look at some of those things this morning. So that's, that's the background. Let's, let's read the verses that, uh, that are here this morning. And, and after the first couple of verses, it's going to get really weird and strange. Like, how are you going to preach a sermon on that? Stay with me, all right? Um, verse 5, conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. It's a great verse, by the way, to, to write on the sticky note and put on your steering wheel. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And my heading in my Bible says, final greetings. This is the part that gets a little bit different. And how do you preach a sermon on this? It was a question I was asking myself a lot. 
Verse 7. Tychius will tell you about all my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may, be, he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell of you everything that has taken place here. By the way, I'm not going to talk about it this morning, but if you want to look up Onesimus, he's, a, he's got a great story. Um, Google search it or, or find a study Bible and look through Onesimus or um, just do one of those things. It's, he's, he's got a great story. Um, won't tell you any more than that. Verse 10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner. By the way, Paul writing this book from prison. Aristarchus, my, my fellow prisoner, greets you and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, not Jesus Christ, a different guy. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Jesus Christ, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear witness that he has worked hard for you, and those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it read also to the church in, of the Laodiceans, and see that you may also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you receive from the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting from my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Let's pray again. God, uh, guide us as, as we seek to understand what it is that you're saying to us. Lead us through this time together to, to think about Jesus, think about the gospel, and thinking about pressing it into the context around us. In Christ's name, amen. So, uh, I've kind of come to this conclusion. I've, I've read through the, the whole book of Colossians. We've studied through the whole book of Colossians. And I've kind of come to this conclusion that, that this, is, this is where it, it is for us, is that when we center around Christ, and that's the theme that, that we've, kind of pressed, we've kind of seen throughout the book of Colossians, is just centering our lives and everything that we are around Christ. What happens when that happens is the gospel is pressed into every piece of us, every bit of our being, all right? And the result of that is that it's, we begin to press that into the different contexts where we find ourselves. So if Christ, we center around Christ, the gospel gets pressed into us. And if we're centered around Christ and the gospel is pressed into us, we press it into our context. And so we begin to look beyond ourselves. The first part of Colossians, in the, the, there's kind of a swing verse in the first few verses of of Colossians chapter 3, where it's beginning to, to teach us to think beyond ourselves, to die to ourselves. And that's what it, when we're centering around Christ, we begin to die to ourselves and begin to think more eternally. And, and the result of thinking eternally is what we see here in, in Colossians 3. Um, there is, uh, what I'm about to say is completely unplanned, so bear with me if it doesn't make any sense. Um, 
There, there are, I've, I've encountered a lot of brokenness in recent days. Um, a lot of you guys know that, that Jen is, is working at, at Parker Road now, the school my, my kids go to, an elementary school. And she comes home almost every night just hurt and broken with the brokenness that happens at school. Um, and, and, and really, like, we see problems that are in society. We can watch the news and see difficulty and hardship. But there's really not much better to see and understand brokenness, to go and be in a public school. Um, so if anybody has, like, days off through the week, like if you, got, you don't work on Fridays or Tuesdays or whatever, find an elementary school near your house and go just walk up to the principal one day and say, hey, I'd like to come and read to kids during the day. Um, press the gospel in that context. Anyway, the, the point is, is that, like, through Jen's eyes, I get to see the brokenness. It's, it's rampant within schools and parents telling their children, I don't want you. That happens every day. We can isolate ourselves from the fact that that may or may not be true, but it's, it, that happens every day in our context. Within five miles of where we stand, it's everywhere. Parents not wanting their children and brokenness being prevalent. And there's, I, I don't know if you guys are, understand, know this, but the, the, the superintendent of the Ferguson Florida School District just kind of like with, got sent on paid administrative leave, and I think the process looks like this is like step one to out the door, gone. And it's just, it's, there's just like brokenness around that. And, and if you've read articles or, or seen the newspaper or, or seen newscasts about what's happening, there's, you know, groups rising up uh, against the school board and for the school board. It's just brokenness is prevalent. Um, and I know of some other situations that, that you guys are wrestling through. And, and the fact of the matter is, is I... I I'm confident of the sovereignty of God that he has shown us the, the book of Colossians and, and what a difference it makes to press into Christ and how, what a difference it makes to, to change us. And then what's happening in the end of Colossians we're talking about here is, is to think outside of ourselves. And that's what I want this morning to be about, that we would press into and understand the gospel in such a real way. And if we understand the gospel, the only response we can have, the only response we can have is to go live a life sent, planting that gospel in the context where God has given to us. If you, if you aren't sent, you don't understand the gospel. Can I say that boldly? Can I, if you own the gospel for yourself and it's for you and for no one else and you just enjoy it and you're not Pressing that into some context, you don't understand the gospel. And you may need to think about, do I really understand the gospel? And if you wrestle with that, I would love to sit down and have a, a meal with you and talk about what that looks like. Seriously, that's, that's not, a, it's not an offer that I'm just throwing out there. If, if you wrestle with the fact that you think you understand the gospel, but you're not in a context delivering that gospel, you don't understand it, and I would love to talk to you about what that looks like. So, what, is, what does it mean for us? What, what do we, how do we do this? I think for us, the answer, the, the quick, simple answer is in the first two verses that we read this morning. Conduct yourself wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. What does it mean to just conduct yourself wisely? I think it means just to think outside of, of your own 
personal self and your own personal comfort and think beyond that into the world of someone else that God has placed you on. And I think I don't, we don't have to think very hard to think of someone who, who is just experiencing brokenness that God is calling you to. And I hope as I'm speaking these words, I say this a lot, but I, I hope that as I speak these words and say these things, that, that names or faces come into your mind. It's, there's somebody around you that's got brokenness, experiencing brokenness, or something is going on in their world. But God is calling you to invest the gospel in that person as someone has invested the gospel in you. And and my prayer is that we would make the best use of our time. Go think wisely. Think beyond ourselves. Understand that God has a call for this. I, I read a tweet this morning. It had nothing to do with this message. But it, it said, it's from a, a, like an established church, big like Southern Baptist convention, wearing a tie, like thousands of people in this congregation. The kind of guy that I would be repulsed by a lot of times. And, and I, I stay in that... I ask for forgiveness in that because God has, has brought me through a lot of stuff, pressing me through a lot of stuff in the midst of that, the gospel pressing into my heart about how I feel and the arrogance of me towards people like that. Um, anyway, God's forgiveness has allowed me to follow him on Twitter at least. <laughs> so he tweets this morning, wherever you are in your brokenness, remember God is the alpha and the omega. He had the first word, and he will have the last word. Wherever brokenness is in this world, understand that Christ, that God spoke the world into existence. He had the first word. When God said, let there be, those were the first words spoken. The alpha. He's also the omega. He will have the last word. Brokenness, hardship, sin, evil will not have the last word. God will. That's the gospel that we're to press into this world. Hallelujah. I wish more of you were like Rick Nyhoff. <laughs> Seriously, this is, that's really, really good news. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He had the first word and he will have the last. So what, what about this pressing the gospel? Go in verse 6. Let your speech... Always be gracious. I've had a few conversations about this brokenness, these specific cases of brokenness, and not always is that speech gracious. Battles that you are in the middle of, not, not always is that speech gracious. Sometimes it can intend to be gracious and wind up being catty. You hear me talking? We we whine there all the time. Let your speech be gracious. Do you understand that the words that come out of your mouth can be, have the opportunity to be grace to someone's ears, grace to someone's soul? I think if we realized that, we would choose our words and choose our lack of words a lot more carefully. Let your words be gracious and the, the thing is, the idea, like, pressing the gospel. I, I think of, like, you know, those Play-Doh figures where you, you like, put Play-Doh in there and you shove it up and, like, hair grows out. You know what I'm talking about? 
This is, this is the concept. This is it. That there's, there's gospel in us. God has put it there. And this is shoving that little whatever that thing is up inside of the little Play-Doh guy and a hair growing out. And that what's happening is gospel just being sprayed around your area. And this is what it is to, to press the gospel into you and to let your words be gracious. There is grace in you, placed there by God, that he's calling you to go and speak into your context. Don't miss it. If you don't do it, you don't really understand the gospel. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Jesus told us to go be the salt of the earth, to go and be that, so that you may know how to answer each person. I want to read uh, a quote, and then we're going to talk about some specific areas where we partner with some people. Jared Wilson, a pastor in the Northeast, says, the gospel is the only power of change. The gospel is the only power of change. So we want to seed it into every space and every heart that we can, trusting that the Spirit will bring it to bloom. Our job is not to make someone believe. Our job is to just speak words of grace, speak the gospel into people's lives, and allow it to be a seed, and then allow the Holy Spirit to let it bloom, to let it pop. And I hope that there's a a name, a face, a community, a place that that is in your mind where where God has given you to go and, and seed the gospel. And then pray and let it explode with a bloom. So I, I want to I spend like the, these last few verses, 7 through 18, talking about all the different areas where, where the Colossian church, God had given them people and sent out people and God brought people in and around their community, in their city, and what they were doing to plant the gospel in their context and then asking the Colossians to pray for them. I want to spend the rest of our time this morning thinking and talking about what that looks like for us. Who are our, all those weird hard names to say and Mark and all those in Luke, those are easy ones to say, but like, like Epaphras and, and these other guys that are here, Aristarchus, and who are those people for us? Who can we be praying for to, to go and plant the gospel? And, and not just that, the people that we've sent out, as we send people and as we pray about sending people and as we are sent and as we connect with different ministries and stuff, that begins to teach us to go and do that in our context. Maybe that looks like staying in North County. Maybe that looks like going on a mission trip. Maybe that looks like giving your life away. Maybe that looks like quitting your job and going and working in a school. I don't know what that means. Who knows? But as we pray for these, I want us to to think beyond just these people and more to who they are and what they're doing and the context where they find themselves in and begin to teach our own hearts what it looks like to go and press the gospel into a particular context. Make sense? All right, the first one I want to talk about is a, a guy named Noah Oldham. You guys may or may not have heard that name before. He's a friend of mine, planted the church a, a couple of, maybe a, a year and a half after we planted North Church. Uh, it's August Gate, and it's in South City near Kings Highway. Um, and he's planted that church, and they've got another campus over in the Metro East. Really good dude, uh, young family. And he has developed a partnership with something called Send St. Louis. When I say that quickly, it... Send St. Louis. You may think S-I-N, not S-E-N-D. 
So send, I'm being very enunciative. Is that a word? Uh, Now it is, that's right. I'm holding the mic. I get to make up a word if I want. Um, Send St. Louis is this, this initiative from the North American Mission Board that's trying to plant churches. There's send cities all over the country, and we're one of them. St. Louis is one of them. And we're partnering with, with Noah, and Noah is, is leading out the charge to begin to try to plant churches all over the city to plant the gospel in different areas, all right? And so we're connecting with them and helping uh, to, to plant churches, and, and we're going to walk through the process to begin to, to uh, be able to coach some of these folks that are coming in to plant churches. And we've got big, grandiose visions to, to do this, but we're partnering with Noah and August Gate, and we're partnering with Noah and Sin St. Louis. And his vision is to kind of be the point person to go and bring in these church planters to go and connect them with the various church plants so that they can learn and be, be invested in and prayed for and cared for and nurtured to eventually go out and plant. It follows, that makes sense what they're doing. Um, so Noah is really close to my heart. We, there was a group of guys, eight guys, that used to, to go and pray at, at a church in West County every w- once a week and then have lunch together. And Noah was part of that. It was at the very beginning of North Church seven years ago. And so Noah is really close to my heart. And now that group of eight guys is now, uh, it was this Monday, Dave was there with us. Whatever, what, Dave? Probably four, three, four hundred people there. So a group of eight praying has now become three or four hundred people just being missionaries to this city. Um, and Noah's kind of at the, the top of that pyramid helping to mobilize that to happen. So I'm going to voice a prayer uh, for Noah and send St. Louis. And, and as, as I do, I want you guys to, to sit there and, and pray along with me and maybe write down on, on your journal, Noah Oldham, send St. Louis. And that's kind of the vision of who they are. God, I thank you for how you have connected our hearts to Noah and to send St. Louis, Father. And I pray that you would continue to, uh, to connect our church and their church and, and correct, connect our people and their people and, and begin to invest and care for and nurture. And I pray for opportunity to love on these church planners that are going to be coming to plant the gospel in our city, Father. God, I pray for Noah as he attempts to lead his family, and I pray you'd allow him to do that well and lead his church and lead his leaders, Father. And God, I, I pray that you would just, his soul would be nurtured as he is pulled in many directions, Father. And as the leader of Send St. Louis here, God, that he would invest in these families that are coming to plant churches in our area. We thank you for Noah. I pray that you continue to to draw us together and knit hearts together and knit churches together that we would see beyond just fluorescent, Father, and see to beyond our, our area and into our city and beyond that into our world, God. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Uh, the next one um, is a guy named Joe Coe Stevens who pastors the Passage Church who meets, they're meeting right now, right down the road. They meet at North County Christian School and he kind of heads up as the president of iHeart North County. So kind of twofold, one for the passage and two for iHeart North County. And Dave has, uh, Dave's kind of intimately connected on the board of iHeart North County. And so um, uh, praying for, for Joe, praying for iHeart North County and, and the vision that they have. Dave, share just a, a bit about the specifics of what, what iHeart North County is and then go ahead and voice that prayer for Joe. Um, I want to 
as we kind of walk through this, continue to walk, there's a few more we're going to pray for. I want to reiterate something that this is, um, it, one of the things that, as I, God was kind of giving me this vision to, to do this, this is what the sermon was going to be this morning, I was a little bit nervous and hesitant because, like, when this starts to happen, my tendency is to maybe kind of check out. Uh, don't do that. Um, this is, uh, like, the end of Colossians. This is, this is our end of Colossians. This is who God has called us to partner with and connect with and pray for and pray together with and, and press the gospel in. Um, and so as we, as we do these things, continue to pray for your own heart that, that God would make you aware of where he's calling you to press the gospel in. And maybe that looks like one of these places to continue to, to connect with it or, or commit to or pray through or pray with. But this is, this is our Colossians 4. Uh, what we're doing and who we're praying for is our Colossians 4. Um, so don't, don't check out. Um, the, uh, the next one we're going to pray for is Christ Church. Uh, some of you guys, we, we've talked a lot about them in, in recent months. That's uh, Judd Brooks and Scott Clayton, uh, good friends of ours. And, and we, a lot of us went out to their launch seven weeks ago. They launched seven weeks ago. And so um, they're a young baby church and wrestling through some difficult things. And there's several of you that were here at North Church when we were seven weeks old and the struggles that we went through and, and who we are now and who we were then and just, just the hardship of, of what it looks like to plant a church and start a church and uh, like looking at a bunch of faces that were there around those tables at those meetings uh, early on seven years ago. Um, so we understand and we know the hardship and difficulty it is to plant a church. And Scott, who leads worship for them, uh, just his wife just had a baby just what just a few weeks before uh, Jeff and Megan had had their baby um, and so uh, they're it 's just hard to to press this gospel into a heart when like things are young and things are early and things are new and it 's just difficult so um, we want to we want to pray for christ church uh, Jeff is going to there he is i was looking for you um, Jeff is going to pray uh, for Judd and for Scott and for Christ Church. Amen. Uh, two things more about that. Uh, we're going to have a Thanksgiving dinner coming up. I don't know the date. I'm terrible with dates. It's like in the bulletin maybe um, or Facebook maybe or find somebody more responsible and ask them after when it is. Um, Scott and Judd are going to be there with their families. So um, if you're there on that night, find Scott and Judd and, and just tell them we're praying for you. Uh, how can I pray for you? Uh, I don't know that I mentioned that. You might not know. They, they plan in like in the, the Brentwood, uh, Rock Hill sort of area. Um, they're at a congregation, the, a congregational church in uh, Rock Hill has given their space uh, to, to use on Sunday nights. And by the way, they're on Sunday nights. If there's ever a Sunday night where you're looking, hey, let's go to Christchurch. Look it up, ChristchurchSTL.com, and go hang out with them some night. Uh, the next one we want to pray for is, is Trinity Church. Um, Trinity is kind of the, one of the other partners with us that began at the begin, very beginning with iHeart North County and have, has done a lot of work. Uh, hosted a lot of events. They've got their own building. Uh, hosted a lot of events for our heart, North County, and those sort of things. And specifically this morning, we want to pray for Kyle Rainbolt, their new pastor. Um, tell you the, the story, what's going on. Kyle Rainbolt has been a friend of a lot of ours from, from a re, for a really long time uh, and has been the youth pastor there for a really long time. And Kyle is the third pastor in less than like a year and a half at the church. They brought a guy in. He was there for a while, and he left. They brought another guy in. He was there for just a few months, I think eight months, and then he left. And so Kyle has come in 
now, and actually last Sunday was his first Sunday there. And during that interim process, when they, they lost their, their pastor and, and had Kyle come in, Dave and I both got to preach. You guys were gracious enough to send us out to go preach on a Sunday morning there. And so we're kind of connected. We've preached uh, before them in the kind of late summer, early early winter, or early fall sort of things. Um, but Trinity is, Kyle is, has asked us to pray this for him, that uh, he would continue to be the father that he's called to be and the husband that he's called to be as he's transitioning from youth pastor to pastor. And that's a difficult task to do. Um, and also, he's sensing a, a, a potential issue to, that we want to pray through that, like, Trinity was hurt pretty bad by two pastors. And not that they did anything wrong. They didn't do anything wrong. But it's just hard to have a pastor come in and then leave quickly and have another pastor come in and then leave even quicker. It's just difficult for a church to kind of, is there something wrong with us? What's happening? What's going on? What's our future look like? And then Kyle kind of rides in on his white horse to save the day. Um, And Kyle just wants to combat that, that he's not the hero. And he wants to combat that in his own heart and in the hearts of his people as he leads them towards Christ. So that's kind of the, the vision that Kyle would like for us to pray through for Trinity and, and us to continue to pray through as we, uh, as we partner with them to reach the city of Florissant. Uh, Kyle Walton is a good friend of Kyle Rainbolts. I asked Kyle to voice a prayer, so could you do that for Trinity and for Kyle? Thank you, Kyle. Um, next group we want to pray for are summer missionaries. We had two girls come in and... Uh, serve with us and kind of a vision for us to for the summer missionary program that we have is to connect them with an individual uh, these these summer missionaries come in and we get them for like 10 weeks to come and our we want to invest the gospel in them so that they can go out to their context and invest the, the gospel where they are and really a lot of what we're talking about here this morning in Colossians is what's been the vision to invest in these girls and in, in the years past has been guys but happens that the two that are, are serving with us currently are, are a couple of girls and they're out in their, their context and uh, one of the things that we do is connect them with someone who's discipling them and leading them and, and not just during the time that they're here but as they're away continuing to connect with them um, for us last summer and, and we're hopeful and pretty confident they're going to come back next summer uh, to do the same thing again uh, Megan Schultz and Sarah Klein. And so Megan is, is an older uh, college student and she's moving into the nursing field and, and trying to figure out what God has planned for her in her future direction. Um, this is a really cool thing that happened. Uh, she sent me a Facebook message a couple weeks ago saying that um, she's leading some girls, just not anything specific, just girls that she's connected with, leading them through some of the Psalms that we preach through, preach them to them this summer and kind of walk through and talk through with them. And so it like, it's the perfect example of what we want to invest in them so they can go out and invest what has been invested in them in their context. And Megan is out actively doing that. Um, uh, Mickey is the one who uh, mentors and disciples Megan consistently. So I asked Mickey to pray. Could, M- Mickey, could you pray for, for Megan in her context? Amen. Uh, by the way, for those of you that are on Facebook, Megan and Sarah are both on Facebook. Connect with them. Tell them you're praying for them. Uh, ask specifically how you can pray for them. Um, and we want to treat these girls like missionaries that come to us. And we invest in them and then we send them out as missionaries. That's exactly what they are. 
And part of what that looks like is continually investing in them. Even if they're not here consistently among us, they are still being sent by us and invested by us. And we can continue that. So look them up on Facebook. Look them up. Uh, if you, I can give you their email addresses. Find me later. Um, continue to connect in these girls. Uh, the other one is Sarah. Uh, Sarah's younger. She's in her freshman year at Hanwell LaGrange. She's a basketball player and just kind of started full force the basketball season. And so it's like a lot of difficulty with balancing school and Christ and basketball and, and friendships and all those things. So it's just a, a, a kind of a, a weird changing season for Sarah. Rebecca is, uh, Megan Brockmeyer is her direct disciple, or Megan isn't here this morning, but Rebecca is her sister and has been discipling her since she was born. So uh, I've, asked, I've asked Rebecca to, to pray for her sister. Go ahead, Rebecca. Uh, okay, we have, we have one more um, that we're going to pray for, and it's our connection with La Puerta Esperanza in Acuna, Mexico. Um, those of you who've been around us a while, we took a, a trip there uh, this summer and invested in a church that is there and invested in, in the, the La Puerto Esperanza. La Puerto Esperanza is translated as the door of hope, and it is a shelter for young teenage pregnant girls or young teenage moms. Um, and for those of you who haven't been with us from the beginning, kind of give you a little bit of backstory, they... In Acuna, Mexico, it, there's like young teenage pregnancy is an epidemic. Um, it's sort of a badge of honor for a, a man to wear that he got a girl pregnant. And um, there is abuse that's prevalent in the area. Uh, I think the, the statistics are for us that about 20 to 40% of uh, females in America have been sexually abused. For them, the number is about uh, 75 to 80% of young females in this area of Mexico have been sexually abused. And so the result is every person in these girls' lives who, have, who were supposed to protect them have either not protected them or worse yet, abused them. And so they crave and they seek out attention from a male. And the male's badge of honor is to get them pregnant. So it just becomes an epidemic. And... So we've got a connection with a guy named Dennis from a ministry connection I had years ago, and we've reestablished that connection, and Dennis has led this home. Basically, Dennis had a well-paying job in Texas, and he left it to go to live on a border town and go into Mexico and invest in these girls and create and develop a home there. And he's got a, a, a lady who, who lives in the home with these girls and serves as their kind of their house mom and protects them and guides them. And they've established a relationship with the uh, Acuna, Mexico, um, basically social services side there. And so the social services is actually sending them girls to invest in and to protect and to nurture. And the idea is they come there and they get food, they get shelter, and they get an education. And Dennis is pushing them towards going to school. And they've got success stories like girls who have who've been in the program and graduated from college and now are nurses serving, uh, raising their children. And like, God is the, the hero in so many stories there. Um, in particular, specifically today, there are four girls that live in La Puerto Esperanza today. And hopeful that that would grow even further. Uh, but each one of these four girls, I talked to Dennis on Thursday this week, uh, each one of these four girls, well, three of the four, don't have a mom either because they don't know who it is or they've died. And 
they're just orphans with babies. And they're, most of these girls are 15, 16, 17 years old. Um, just heartbreaking. One girl in particular, the fourth of these girls who does have a mom, went home to her mom uh, earlier this year, and her mom said this to her, I had a chance to kill you, and I really wish that I would have. Um, and this girl is, she's got a six-month-old baby, and this is the world that this girl lives in. And La Puerta Esperanza seeks to bring hope to these children, to these girls. And so we've got a connection to invest in these girls. And by the way, between Christmas and New Year's, don't know exact dates, somewhere between the 26th of December and the 31st of December, we're going to get to go back again. Um, and you heard us saying we came back the first time, we want to go consistently two, three, four times a year. This is our next opportunity. At this point, it's a small trip. There's a couple of things that need to be done at the home and around the home that could in, end up in a big trip. Um, the, the, this is another prayer request. The building next to the one where the home that is is another home that they're hoping they've got a signed lease to be able to use that space, but it has to be okayed by the government of Acuna. And the guy who owns that place is kind of like, eh, whatever. And the government's kind of like, eh, whatever. So to get the legal documentation for them to actually domicile there is some hoops to jump through. But it looks like Dennis has told me some stuff is happening that, that we might get this building for them to expand and be able to have more than just four girls, have 15, 20, 25 girls that are there. And it's a great opportunity, but this building is a wreck. Some of you guys that were there before, I mean, it's, it's awful and miserable. And so we're going to go down. Hopefully, if they, before Christmas, if we get rights to be able to squat on the space, we're going to go and do a lot of destruction there and, and demo the place and get it ready to be able to be built upon and also build a fence around it. If you start doing stuff to a, any place in Acuna and you don't build a fence first, your stuff's going to get stolen overnight. So we're going to go and build a fence and do some construction or, or demolition of this building. So uh, at least a small trip, and if everything works out, it'll be a big trip, uh, and we'll need a lot of people to go. And we're really focused to do it between Christmas and New Year's because I know a lot of you maybe are school teachers. You can go during that time, or you've got school issues you can go during that time, or I know a lot of firms give their, their people a lot of time off between Christmas and New Year's, so this is an opportunity. If you couldn't go for a whole week during the regular like calendar, this might be an opportunity for you guys to get to go during that time. So um, stay tuned as more details arrive. If it gets to be to a big trip, we're going to do that. But in the meantime, we can consistently pray for these folks at La Puerta Esperanza. Uh, Kelso was a part of that trip, and I asked Kelso to, to voice the prayer for, for the girls and for Dennis and for the future of La Puerta Esperanza. Kelso. Amen. Thank you guys for... Uh, indulging us in that. And I think that I, I want to kind of reiterate to press beyond yourself, press beyond this morning and begin to understand that the gospel is, is so big and God is pressing it into us. And as we see these people mobilized to go and be the gospel, um, that God would, would change us and we would go and press the gospel into the context that God has given to us. Uh, let's pray and then we'll uh, respond with some worship this morning. God, I thank you for uh, for this morning, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gospel that you've presented to us, Father. That while we were still sinful, you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us, atoning for our sin to the full measure. 
And the result of that is that we can go and, and live a life intimate with you, Father, and at the same time weaving that gospel into our context. God, I pray for every one of us, Lord, as we stand and proclaim songs about your gospel, Father, that you would burn into our hearts and into our minds and into our lives opportunities that you've given to us to go and seed this gospel, plant this gospel, weave it into our communities and into our context, God. I pray for our friends, for our neighbors, for our family members, for our coworkers, for even ourselves, God, that you would continue to just press this gospel into us. Jesus is enough. He is our joy, our hope, our peace, our atonement, our sacrifice. He is our example that we would go and love and live and forgive and pray like Jesus. God, it's in his perfect name that I pray. Amen.